But when I, you know, get in trouble, I'll just say, hey, Paul Gibbs, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's his fault. So, so basically, you'll, you'll be my wife then, because that's basically what she does most of the time. <laughs> Is your wife's name Karen, by chance? No, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was worried about earlier on. <laughs> Hey, Zach. Welcome to Bros, Bibles, and Beer. Thanks, Jeff. That's nice. <clears throat> it's nice to be to feel welcome in my house. Well, and... You're never welcomed. Well, I don't Wait. mean it that way. <sighs> I mean, nobody ever has to welcome you because we usually are at your house. And this is our podcast. Minus Scott. Because Scott's off the reservation. It's official, everyone. He... Could be homeless. Actually, I think he is homeless, technically. We call it houseless. He did get a camper shell for the back of his new truck that he got. Are you serious? And he's going to get a carpet mat to put back there. And Wait, he's, that, wait a second. This is all true? Yes. I'm not making this up. Oh, oh my goodness. He got a camp... It's Well, it's not like a camper shell. It's just like a cover, like a shell. So it's not like huge... Enough, Huge. enough for one man. One man. Maybe a partner that's brave. Okay. If he meets anyone on the PCT trail. That's but right. he, he is going to... His house just closed. Escrow. He has standing offers to stay at this house. We do have a room. Uh, you have a camper. Motorhome, sorry. Jeff has a motorhome. Someone's living in it right now. Okay. So that's off. Off the table. And then we have a friend that's in a very exclusive neighborhood with lots of bedrooms that has an offer for him to stay there as well. But knowing Scott enough and knowing how little self-confidence he has, he'll probably take none of those offers and he'll be in a Walmart parking lot probably. <laughs> yeah. you know, It does make it easy when you wake up. Just as long as it's a 24-hour, the mega Walmarts, just get up whenever, walk in and... Yeah. You know, buy a banana. Yeah, banana. Some granola. Granola. Grab a cup of coffee. They have coffee at Walmart? Do they? In the big ones, they got to. Well, there's probably a McDonald's nearby. There's probably a McDonald's inside, along the, with the Subway. Yeah. Actually, the, there there are uh, there are McDonald's in Walmarts, and uh, that's... Probably that's probably true. There's McDonald's in Walmart. Yes. Come wow. out, come out to where I work. Yeah. You know, it, when you're in South Orange County in this bubble. Hello, hello, Lisa, Lady Lisa. Hello. When you are in South Orange County, um, in this in this bubble we're in, it's easy to kind of look down on Walmart. And because there's so many nice things like Target, like Target. Well, we call it Target here, right? It's French, bitch. Um, what else is in this 
community that were just like, we've got it. And there was Kohl's. Kohl's. But Kohl's closed down. Right. Kohl's was saving too much money for people. Dude, do you remember? Did you ever shop at Kohl's? No. You go in to buy a pair of shoes and a cup, a sock, maybe some candles, because I'm that kind of guy. And scented? When you're. <laughs> course when you're leaving soy candles though oh. i don't want to breathe in breathe in the carcinogens jeff okay but you leave they're like congratulations you saved 442 dollars <laughs> because everything is marked up so much maybe that's why they're out of business so but anyways walmart and mcdonald's man can you putting those two things together it's a complicated picture but you can get a lot for a little that's a super size me trip yeah. Good luck, Scott. Hey, safe travels. And we love you. Yeah. Question mark. Hopefully you'll be back. Well, wait. I don't think he's leaving, actually. Oh. Uh, I mean, oh. For a second, it was like good. he was going to be gone, gone. Thank goodness. He might be gone, for all we know. It's training. He he's- hasn't quit his job yet, which is another thing he's talked about. That's a telltale sign that he's he's staying. Yeah. I and I was talking to I was at soccer practice yesterday and talking to a mutual friend of Jeff Scott and myself and he just kept saying what why why when we were talking about Scott like uh-huh. why selling the house right why the new truck the new truck and he's been talking about quitting his job right there may be some kind of midlife crisis. All you're harassing him for not actually believing in Jesus may be affecting him, Jeff. Well, I mean, if he just believed in Christ, then he wouldn't be worried so much. Yeah, cast your cares upon the Lord, Scott. That's a Bible verse. That's that's in the Bible. That And Bible's in our name. It's, Do you know what Bible verse that is? Yeah, it's I, the one from the Bible. <laughs> It's Proverbs 33. You know, when Paul gets here, he'll be able to tell us. Uh, a little, little tease. We do have a guest. We, I had a guy speak at our church, Jeff and my church. and um, Jeff and my church. It's not our church. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for that shit. <laughs> but we love it. And this guy spoke, and he's got this great... He's from Texas, so he's got an accent. It's great. Um, but he spoke on discipleship and kind of interesting it sounded like there were some interesting angles that he didn't have time to get into mm-hmm. that maybe we can flesh out he does have several books he is he did have a book on discipleship i think the other books were they not on that as well or or no it was something about something everywhere i, I was setting my fantasy football lineup oh god are you serious during church maybe Oh, that's why you were you were right behind me. You were leaning forward. I'm like, I bet. I got to cover the screen. I bet. Oh, what, do you feel hey, guilty? You're going to be I'm judged? There, I'm, yeah, I'm there two services. I can I can handle a little football preparation during the service if I'm there two services. Okay? You could be ruining someone's moment. They could be just in the moment, capturing, talking to God. They open their eyes yeah. and they see you sliding Green Bay and the Steelers and the Bengals over. And they're like, what's, wait, oh. No, that's why I'm hunched oh, over. I forgot to set my lineup too. Yeah, I know, but I'm hunched over. Therefore, I'm trying to, I got big hands, Jeff. So Unlike big. Trump, uh, I got big hands. <laughs> and so, 
you know what they say about big hands? Big feet? Big gloves. Yes. So I'm hunched over. You can't see my screen. Everybody uses the Bible app for their phones now instead of actual Bibles. All all they know is that I'm deep in the Word. Those I people are usually those people are usually sitting upright because they don't feel guilty and they are just you know they want to sh- share that with their spouse yeah. as well. I hear what you're where you're going. You're hunched over. I can see you over my right shoulder. Terrible like, posture. He is doing fantasy football right now. I know it. While well, listen to a guy with an accent talk about discipleship for two services, Paul. If you listen to this retroactively. Right now it's in the future, but eventually it's retroactive. It's it's uh, time time sharing, time travel, podcast time travel. Anyway. Welcome to the podcast time travel mm-hmm. machine. Paul speaking. Please know, Paul, I was listening hardcore <laughs> during at least one of the services. If not, maybe more than one service. Okay. No, to have, <laughs> to have the pastor not there and, you know... He he's he knows he's walking into like uh, I don't know how many people are going to show up. Uh, you know, everybody knows that that Todd the pastor is not there. And uh, I'll tell you what, within like thirty seconds, he's got everybody engaged and rolling. A little bit of laughing, laughing, and uh, laughing. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was because he has an accent. I was laughing. Was laughing. No, but, but I mean, you're right. It was. A solid talk plus accent equals he is the potter, we are the clay, yeah. and he's molding us into his image. Yeah, I'm like, I could stay here all day long, which is why I reached out and I'm like, hey, you in town still? Now he's coming to a stranger's house. Mm-hmm. He's never met me. Or um, me. Yeah, he's coming to a stranger's house. We have beer in the title, which I'm learning is actually controversial these days. Who knew? Everybody thought we were being edgy. We didn't think we were being edgy, but apparently we were edgy, bros, Bibles, and beer. Those guys are edgy. They talk about things. That's what I hear. I hear that on the podcast, Grapevine, Jeff. Where was The Grapevine? We could have been bros, Bibles, and Jesus wine. So I was checking out your website. There's three of you. Yes. Scott is on sabbatical. <laughs> he, we believe, he sold his house, and he uh, got in it today and traveled to a lake or a river to go fishing for four days. And oh, wow. we, uh, we're not sure if he's in midlife crisis, quit his job, made a little money on his house, and now he's just gonna <laughs> go hiking somewhere. I enjoyed it on Sunday. People are great. So it was great. Oh, yeah, cool, we enjoyed it. It's why I. I mean, not only do you, did I start taking a look at the books before service started um, for the nine o'clock, but then when you got up there, I mean, thirty seconds, and I'm like, okay, I could be here for four or five hours. This is fine. Oh, cool. Um, Thank you. But yeah, you're very engaging. Obviously, you have a lot of practice on stage and public speaking certainly pays off when you've got a congregation that doesn't know you. Yeah. Um, but your pictures of yourself as a boy were <laughs> precious. <laughs> the, way you, the way you played around Everybody's with that glad one. it's a podcast now. <laughs> they don't have to look at those pictures. 
It's funny because I, um, I worked out a while back that I think I preached around about 800 times before mm. I started to preach in church. Oh, wow. It's like on the streets, all the schools of Manchester. Really? And so, when you, so then when you're preaching in church, it's actually pretty easy compared to, you know, you set your stall up on the street or a pub or in a school and people are not there because they want to hear about Jesus. You've got to kind of connect with them. So when you then take that to church, it's... It's kind of, uh, so like Sunday was a breeze. It was great. I just really enjoyed it. Okay. Now I'm curious. You're talking about just setting up shop on the street. Yeah. What does that look like and how did that happen? So when I first started, um, so what happened was, uh, you know, some of this story. So I, what I thought I was going to be a missionary. So I went to do some training in Scotland and long short story was I felt God tell me to go back to Manchester when I got back to Manchester, there was this witch, so a white witch. So she had an occult shop. And you look like you want to ask me a question. Oh, I'm just, no, a white witch. I was just thinking, oh, he's serious, a real white yeah, witch. Yeah, yeah. And an occult shop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because people think it's this is the start of a joke or something. But no, she was, um, I won't mention <laughs> her name, but she was well known in the area. So she set up a, um, a shop. We can so, call her Karen. <laughs> that's not your wife is it no. okay, I'm just checking <laughs> I'll do a good start so right. uh, yeah exactly so um, so to kind of publicise this shop she she complained about a couple of pastors who were a couple of times a year going into the local schools so local schools shut down and um, I at that time I was, went back, came back to Manchester felt God called me back to Manchester didn't know what to do and um, so I was just volunteered for my church. And then this local vicar said, hey, we've got some kids who decided because the, this witch had shut down the schools, they had a baked bean eating contest in their schoolyard uh, just to get attention. And then they said to all their friends, hey, something really weird's happened to us. If you want to come and find out what it is, we'll be meeting in this room in the school on Wednesday lunchtimes. And they set up this Christian club. But they were about to go to college so um, a, a, a pastor said, could you could you come and just lead this while these kids go to college? Because they've got like the biggest youth group in North Manchester and it's meeting in a school basically mm. at lunchtime. So. But around that time, I started to get connected with some other guys who were going on the streets. So we would just, just turn up on the streets and use visual aids to get attention and then just three minutes. What's an example of a visual aid? Oh, all sorts. We would do we would do skits on the streets and sometimes we would do... So one guy did this thing which a lot of people say it's really old-fashioned, but he did it really well because he had a really good sense of humour. So he had this board, he put this board, got some newspaper, like clean paper before it had been printed on and then did... Have you ever seen a ladder writing? Ladder writing. Have you ever seen it? It's like a really... It's like a Sunday school type thing you would do uh. where you have boxes and you do like one paint stroke or two paint strokes, and it becomes a letter, and you build these words. Okay. So people are kind of guessing what you're going to do. Oh, okay. okay. So it's, all, bit, it's all based on suspense. Mm -hmm. Like know. Wheel of Fortune, <laughs> right? Where the letters show up, kind of. and you have to guess eventually. Yeah, kind of, that kind of principle. Yeah. We did An analog version of that. Well, we did something a couple of years ago in our church where there was an artist up, and during the, the message... She was actually here. She was actually painting, but you have no idea. And then it just kind of came together at yeah, the very end. Exactly. Yeah. I think Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock, said mm. the the key to entertainment is suspense. Mm -hmm. I think his 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 films, the Who Done It, you find out who did it 
no more than one minute before the end of the film. <laughs> mm. um, so it was that basic idea. You get on the streets, do some kind of visual aid, get some suspense going, and then you kind of got, you got people into your message. And it was tough sometimes, but it was good. It was very edgy. It was great. So speaking of churches, yeah, fun really, based on that, yeah. Did you ever find conflict when you were out, out no, and about? No, no, I didn't. Not very often, no. In schools, very rarely. Particularly, like, the, to be really honest, the more difficult people were the Christians, like, because the atheist teachers, they basically just saw us as harmless and, hey, you're in here, you're talking about good values, talking about Jesus, don't really believe in Jesus, but kids are loving it where some of the Christian teachers were a little bit more nervous about the reputation stuff. Mm. So we had uh, we had no problem. We had When I first went back to my old school, so I went to my old school, the first teacher I passed in the corridor had got me on the floor and kicked me in the head last time I saw him when I was at school. <laughs> so three years, three or four years later, maybe five years later, I'm back, walking back through the corridor. I remember just having an eye to eye with him thinking... You, you can't remember me, but I remember you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we, we started this lunchtime club in the school in North Manchester, and um, it went really well. So Lord, it was an all-boys school, so all these kids came, but half of the kids were Muslim. So the Christian teacher, who was a lovely lady, but she kind of panicked a little bit about what would happen. So she decided that we would do an after-school club because that meant that less, only the really serious ones, as she said, would come along. So we did an after-school one, and all but three of the kids that came were Muslim. Like all the kids that kept came back were Muslim kids. So it was wow. interesting. So, and they were great. Those kids. I think I've, one thing I've learned is it's you know, you never know who the people leading forward till you do it, right. and you can't prejudge. So, right. yeah. What what do you think is behind the Muslim, the fact that most of them were Muslim and they come back? Do you have any I, guesses? I, yeah, my, my guess would be that they were, obviously religion's a key part of who they are, and they're very authentic. They're very they are religious people, but I think they got wind of this more love based. I think more love based, fun um, way of connecting with God. I think that's what was happening, and they were intrigued by that. In my opinion, that seemed to be what was happening. So you say love base, does that mean you weren't handing out turn or burn tracks or anything like that? No, we weren't, oddly enough. No, we weren't. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So we approached the school in a different way. And so when I started, I, I started in 1988. And um, I think I told this story on Sunday, but basically I, well, what happened, do you want me to tell, tell that story? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So basically what happened was I was... Um, I come back, thought I was going to be a missionary, came back to Manchester, got this opportunity, did this lunchtime club. I'm looking around thinking, wow, there's like a thousand, five hundred, wherever it was, kids in the school. Lots of them are interested in, you know, we're doing these these like lunchtime clubs. Sometimes we get a hundred young people in, in this, trying to cram them into this, this um, room. And But there's like 20 young people in our churches. So I went to the education committee and just knocked on the door, said, hey, you know, give me your religious or personal and social education curriculum. I looked at it, realized I could teach six, or I could be a role model or a guinea pig for six of these subjects. And, um, and uh, yeah, they introduced me in the school. I think I said this on Sunday. My first introduction I remember was, well, class, we've been looking at the myths that people believe in around the world. <laughs> and uh, last week we looked at Noah and the Ark, and this week we've got Paul Gibbs, and he, 
he actually believes it really happened. <laughs> so let's give him a round of applause. So, but I, I, that was a 40 minute lesson. And within about 10 minutes, they were asking me questions, which led on to my testimony, how God healed me and all this other stuff. And, um, and then basically next thing I know, I've got 17 different schools asking me to go in. And, um, and then for me, vision's more about problem solving. I think it's an awkward conversation with God. Um, so it wasn't long until I had some kids come up to me and said, um, hey, they said, hey, because of your, because of your lesson, we now allow these two guys to come into our house every week and tell us about Jesus. Wow. So I said, oh, that's great. I said, what do they look like? Well, they wear these blue suits and these backpacks. So they were letting mm. the Mormons in because mm. I was, I was yeah. doing this thing. So, so I needed to connect them to, to what I would more consider better churches. And um, it's relationships, it's all about relationships. Right. So I just recruited some people like me who were untrained, approached some churches and said, hey, if you can accommodate them, they can work in your youth group. And then together as a team, we'll meet together, pray. We'll go into different schools because all the kids would come to me and say, how do we find out more about God or Jesus? And I would say, well, there's a local church around the corner from you. Right. And uh, I bet you can guess what the next question was. Can you guess? So if I came to your school when you were a kid and, and you were really interested and I yeah. said, there's a church around the corner from you and you knew me, your next question would be... Are you going to be there? Exactly, yeah. Will you, will you be there? Yeah. And I couldn't be in all these different places, so right. they weren't going to go. So I just recruited four other young people and we had some different churches that hosted them. And then when we went into these different schools, the different individuals would meet them outside the school gates and um, take them to church. It was cool. Wow. Mm. How, old are, it, how old were uh, a lot of the kids? Is this high school? Yeah, yeah. this okay. was public high schools okay. in Manchester, it's England. Public high school. So we have so, se- we have separation of church and state here. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. Like they have curriculum. Think, they, have, they have classes where they talk about is it more just like the literary aspect behind religion or the Bible or? So we're, we're obviously now, you know, fast forward 25 years, we're in six continents around the world and every nation is different. But a lot of things are open to interpretation by the principles. So what separation of the state means right. is not always what people think it means. So what I found is you've got to, you've got, we have this. Um, and real quick, is that only. Do you, is or how many countries do you, are there a lot of countries where there is this separation or is it just the states? Yeah, so um, the states is the only one with the separation. I think of um, Canada, depending on where you are, can be very anti Christianity going yeah. into schools. You know, um, Germany, if you're not if you're not Lutheran or Catholic, you're considered pretty much a sect. Mm. So Mountain View would be seen as a sect, almost cultish. You know? Oh, we kind of are. I mean, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so um, yeah, but um, yeah. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Then so it's well, the separation of church and state, okay. and I, I feel like in America is probably misunderstood by most. Yeah. And I mean, you started talking about that. You know, you, you're now um, in six continents. I kind of cut you off, and I was you know, That's really okay. focus on the United States with separation. But so you're now in, I mean, fast forward 25 years, you're yeah. now in six continents and how yeah. does that work? Yes. Yeah, so, well, we, so what we found is without sounding too simplistic, the more you make it like Jesus, the more it works everywhere is basically what we found. Isn't that weird? 
I've, I've found that <laughs> like, thought it. <laughs> I've found don't lose your train of thought, but I, I have a lot of people that I, I know that are, that freak out about the culture moving away from Christianity or rejecting Christianity. And, but I feel like if you peel back a couple layers, mm-hmm. I'm realizing that we're, they're rejecting asshole Christians as opposed to the message of, of Jesus. Like, I don't know anybody that would reject the actual pure message of Jesus. It's yeah. more Christians that are kind of like doing battle or trying to battle the culture. I think it's that. And I think sometimes it's the lordship. I think popular religion is a religion where nobody's lord of your life, where you still remain the boss. Mm. And I think there's the element of lordship that is a real kicker. That, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, so, um, but what we found though is there's a lot of people leaning forward. So I was reading Luke 10 once and I, I thought there was kind of a, this four-step method that Jesus had for mission. And when I started looking at what Paul adopted, so I call it spread, spot, stay, send. And this is how we get into schools. Back to your question. Say that again, just a little bit slower. Uh, spread. Spot, stay, and send. All right. Awesome. So, yeah, Jesus sends them out in Luke 10 and says, basically spread the word. So basically tell people what you're offering and don't decide in advance who's going to respond. Hence, it, they might be Muslims. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. And then spot those who are leaning forward. So don't chase or force those who are not interested. Mm-hmm. Just spot those who are, you know, and say peace to them and stay with them. So spread, spot, stay. And then send them out to those who rejected you in the first place. So when it comes to school, we basically say to schools, wherever it is in the world, hey, let's work on joint objectives. Let's let's see what we can do. So some schools, you know, you go into a, you go into um, Africa and they want you to spread the gospel, get the kids filled with the spirit, whatever your denomination you are, and yeah. cast demons out of the kids. You know, you go to other nations and they're like, you can't even mention God, or at least they would say that. Mm. A generic everywhere we found is that if a young person asks you a question, I'm not saying you can say anything, but there's a lot more freedom. So you may, even in the harder area like like America, or and we're in California schools, you know, you may go in and talk about purpose or, but if you can ask in a more, if you can teach in a more rabbinic fashion, where you're using questions, not just answers, mm-hmm. and they start asking you questions, mm-hmm. you're provoking questions. Once they ask you a question, generally most schools are, hey, if the young person asks you a question, you're free to answer it. So if you're talking about Subversive. purpose. Oh yeah. Well that would be like Jesus, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you know if you're if you're talking about purpose or hope, I said that you, I gotta say, I said that word subversive and there's a little twinkle in Paul's eye. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. This is great. <laughs> yeah. right, so I'm a public school teacher. Okay. Uh, I I teach sixth grade, and so I'm just gonna I'm gonna roll with this, even though I kind of already do. But when I, you know, get in trouble, I'll just say, "Hey, Paul Gibbs." Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's his fault. So, so basically, you'll you'll be my wife then, because that's basically what she does most of the time. <laughs> is your wife's name Karen by chance? No, she's not. <laughs> that's what I was worried about earlier on <laughs> for you. <laughs> Can you imagine if I nailed it? Karen was the That'd name, have been weird, yeah. but you didn't move on. But I didn't. Yeah, moving on. I'm just thinking about that. It would have been great. Um, man, and you mentioned it kind of got glossed over. You mentioned getting healed. What's up with that? Yeah, so I was born with eczema. And um, when I was 13, it went septic, which meant that I had yellow pus on my arms and legs. I remember a couple of nights asking my 
my mum to mm. kind of tie me to the bed with bandages so I wouldn't scratch because it got really bad. Oh. So sometimes I would get, in, I'd have to get into a bath to take my bandages bandages off because yeah. my skin would peel off when I took the bandages. Oh, yeah. It was really bad. So we had this teacher who was really brave. We had two teachers in my school who taught religion, and one turned me off God, and one turned me on. And the guy who turned me on to God um, advertised this this kind of t- what we would now call a tent crusade. And it was a Wednesday to a Wednesday. And um, all week, boys were coming back from this place saying, we saw some really weird stuff. We saw people singing in the tents, and some of them had their hands raised. And it was weird, man. It was weird. <laughs> Real edgy. It was weird, yeah. <laughs> um, but then they said, but then we saw people getting healed, which really freaked them out. So some kids said to me, why don't you go, Paul? Because you're practically a cripple. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. So I went on the last night and... Um, so I'm there listening to this preacher and uh, I mean, some of you, you know, you would know this kind of didn't really understand it. It was a week before my 14th birthday, but kind of felt something about it was true. And then the evangelist kind of tricked me. So he said, if you want to respond to this message, say this prayer. So I said the prayer. And then he said, if you um, have said the prayer, put your hand up. So I'm like, oh, okay, so I'll put my hand up. And then he said, if you've put your hand up, stand up. And I thought, this is it. This is the last thing. So I stood up. I thought, no, nothing else. And then he said, if you stood up, we want you to come to the back. And I, honest truth, I thought, I'm not going to go there. But there was this quite cute blonde. And she went to the back. And just then I kind of felt God call me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I kind of went to the back as well. And then uh, I got there and, uh, you know, they took me through what, what I now know is like the sinner's prayer type thing. And after they'd done that, I went back out. But of course, the service had finished. So there was nobody getting prayed for fee. I kind of missed it. And then um, I got a letter saying, hey, um, I heard you gave your life to Jesus. We'd love to take you to church. Ring this number if you'd like a ride. Went to church. First message I heard was, you don't need a priest. Lived in a very Catholic area. You don't need a priest. You can just pray directly to Jesus. So I prayed and God healed me within nine days not only did the septic stuff go, but just the whole thing went. I've never struggled with oh eczema since. So, yeah. And my mum wasn't a professing Christian, but my mum's, um, she was a fantastic woman, and she was a nurse. And um, I remember her telling me, you know, that's, you know I don't understand it, but because the doctor, I think the doctor said something like it would take six to nine months to clear up, and it took nine days from what I remember. It was really quick. I got goosebumps on the back of my head. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> cool. That's pretty amazing. Prayer works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All by yourself? You didn't need... You didn't have any anybody of a, an authority over you and anything no. like that? Childlike wow. faith, I guess. Yeah. That's great. That's... Yeah. So, okay. So, with that, as you move forward into, you know, through your teenage years... Um, you know, are you, I mean, are you on fire? I mean, you're, st- you're a kid, you're a oh, teenager, so it's. Yeah, and that's a really good question. So I got saved a week before my 14th birthday. Um, I went straight into work after school, so I'm not very academic, so I went to work. Kind of uh, all my friends from church left to go to college, whatever. Mm. So I just m- ended up with different ma- different mates, different friends, mm-hmm. and ended up just um, kind of backsliding at the age of 18. Not really, I didn't lose my faith. I just wanted to do stuff I shouldn't do. Ended up joining up. There was an infamous club in Manchester called the Hacienda. 
so I joined that club. I was into a particular style of kind of alternative music. So kind of by bands like Joy Division and, and mm-hmm. them, yeah. So um, kind of Manchester music scene got involved. Kind of backslid for three years and ended up in... A, so I didn't want to go to church, so God couldn't tell me what to do. Left home, so my parents couldn't tell me what to do. Ended up in this big house and there was four apartments, as you'd say here, or flats, as we'd say. And there was me and a backslidden Christian in one. Opposite us, there were three very rich students. Above them, there was a Jehovah's Witness and um, and uh, above me there were three anarchists and a ferret. And a ferret? Yeah. And we had like all these arguments and me. Like, so what, did the, what did the ferret believe in? I don't know, but he, he was like, he was pretty strong on his beliefs, it seems to me. <laughs> I still want to, I'm still stuck on the backslidden Christian. I'm like, I want to start calling people that, hey, backslidden Christian. <laughs> just as a title, yeah. Well, it was me, me and my mate, and we were in this, this, and we were just like, just gone away from God, you know, and, and obviously it was a hippie as well, Jehovah's Witness and a hippie. So we had all these arguments about the meaning of life. The, the anarchists were also militant vegetarians. So they would go and they would bust up butcher shops. And you know that whole, did you have yeah. that over here in the 80s? Like, spree, oh, yeah. meat is yeah. murder. Oh, across, yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny, I just, there was a uh, license plate frame that said meat is murder. There you go. I'm like, I'm going to buy some steak and a hamburger right <laughs> yeah. now. Get out of here. Ooh, that reminds me. I'm hungry. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, go goes. get some grass-fed beef. <laughs> so I, um, I, yeah, so I ended up, so that was a good question. So for three years, I was kind of backslid, as we'd say, in England. And um, and I had this weird experience on the top of the bus where three years later, so on my 21st birthday, somebody ordered some drugs and somebody just took an overdose and went into a coma which got me thinking about, is this where I want my life to go? Mm. And then I was, I was very independent apart from Wednesdays when I would take my washing back to my mum to wash it. And on the way back from my mum's, I was on the top of a double-decker bus and um, just completely randomly just felt the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't an audible voice, but this sense of God saying to me, do you remember what this felt like? And that gives me goosebumps remembering mm-hmm. that. <laughs> and just this sense of, yeah, I do, this joy, this this joy that makes no sense. What am I doing? And I kind of mm. decided that Sunday I would kind of give my life back to the Lord. And and then, yeah, and then I wanted to be a missionary. And so it's a bit disjointed in my story here. I wanted to be a missionary, went away for a few months, came back, which schools pays. So. Mm. Wow. You mentioned, uh, this is, oh man, we're, we're bouncing around, but that's cool. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned a teacher that built you up, built up your faith in God, and a teacher that yes didn't. Mm-hmm. What uh, can you give us a snapshot of both of those yeah. pictures? Like how did they? How did that work? So I learned um, a phrase I've been teaching every. So obviously I run this organization called the Pays Movement, and we have all these people that come on. And um, if there's can one you spell th- that the Pays Movement? Yeah, Pays P A I S. So it's a New Testament word. Greek word for child who serves the king, pays movement. Hmm. So we have all these guys that we call apprentices. They come and do a free gap year. And um, one of the things I teach them is um, that our beliefs don't transfer, our passions do. So, and I learned that from these two teachers. They both taught the exact same curriculum. So in England, you have to teach the six world faiths. So if you're a religious education teacher, so Buddhism, Judaism, Islam, should have started on this. <laughs> um, uh, Islam, one other, and Christianity. Um, 
and they both taught that and the, but they were both Christians but one taught with absolute passion and one just taught mm. knowledge and the guy who taught with passion was the guy that just turned me on to Jesus mm. you could tell he really believed it mm. and um, and he was a bit crazy he would he would every every Friday so in, in England it's Friday night when you have youth group every Friday he would take young people he would meet them at school gates and he would put them if you couldn't fit in the car he'd put them in the trunk of his car so mm-hmm. and, and it just one way or another you get used to church, you know. And he was a fantastic guy. So yeah, crazy's so, good. Crazy's good. Yeah. 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 What about um, now? You talked about discipleship on Sunday when you spoke at church, um, and you kind of it was almost like little teases that you couldn't didn't have time to go yeah, into about true. what that looks like and how how people probably have assumption of like making disciples is getting them to say the sinner's prayer or some mm. version of that. And mm. then boom, you're done. Mm. You can check that box. How, how is that different? Or what, what is it to you? Discipleship. So I, we, we teach on page, we teach the three distinctives. So a dis- different approach to mission, discipleship and study. And with discipleship, I ask the question, why is it that we spend so much time educating people hoping that they will have some kind of experience after we've educated them, whereas Jesus clearly took them on an experience and then educated them along the way. Mm-hmm. So that was the premise of, of what we think about is how do we educate people? Sorry, how do we educate people after we take them on experience? And I think that's the scary bit. Everybody, particularly seminaries and Bible colleges, they right. produce teachers, which is really important. So this is not experience versus education. It's just putting the horse before the cart. Um, so we, what, I, what I teased at and what I couldn't teach is um, we train everybody that we know in something called the flow. And it's a very simple template. So you decide um, the four steps. You experience it, question it, understand it, and then multiply it. So we think I'm going to teach somebody how to communicate so I'm going to take them on experience. We're going to communicate together. We're going to, whatever, we're going to preach together. And then afterwards, we're going to question it, what worked, what didn't work. And then we have this process of working out a principle. So one thing I've learned in the last 10 years that young people don't seem to be able to do anymore is figure out principles. I'm not sure we're training people how to think. We're just training them what to think. Mm. And I think we need to train them how to think. So we take them on experience. We get them to question it, what worked, what didn't work. And then we have this simple method to help them figure out a principle. So we basically say, you know, what's the common denominator in all things that worked that is missing from the things that didn't work? And we figure out a principle. And then in the understand it, we get them to figure out how they would communicate that to somebody else. So there's an Arabic proverb that says to teachers, sorry, to teachers to learn twice. So we get them to come up with a way of teaching it to others and then and then they think about how they would then go and multiply it. So you have this little template that we take people through. So interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I, the experience thing is a huge it's yeah. a huge thing in any in anything that yeah. you're doing. You have no idea what marriage is gonna be like. Yeah. You have no idea what friendship or a life in in Christ is gonna be. Um, and to walk that, yeah. you know, to experience it because you, you, we jump into everything. I mean, naturally, you know, the things I mentioned, you jump into them naturally. Yes. And then uh, if you don't have really, if you don't have, um, a mentor or 
or mm-hmm. sages that are, you know, by your side yes. or even seeking them out, you can get into a whole lot of trouble and go And then down. ultimately doing it, like experiencing right. it. Yeah. You can read all the books you want on marriage success and <laughs> all that stuff, but until you become a millionaire, until you're in it. <laughs> right. The, yeah. Just any of the struggles and the questioning, uh, Going through it and questioning is is Can a I open huge, this for you? is a huge oh, no, thing. You. Okay. Um, I just I love I love hearing that that message um, experience at first because yeah, I mean as a as a teacher and uh, having gone through you know school like everybody else, there's no experience. There's no yeah. you would teach me math. You should have taken me to Lowe's or Home Depot and yeah, that'd be <laughs> yeah. amazing, wouldn't it? If you did that, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, so. I love that. I love, I just, I saw your website. I went through your website, um, you know, forwards and backwards. And I'm like, so this really looks like, hey, sign up and we're going to yeah. walk you through this. Yeah, exactly. So what is the, sorry, what is the the gap year? Or was it, a, is that what it's called? Yeah. So that's not an American tr- term, is it? We're trying to find a term that works globally. We can't find one. So, oh, okay. but basically it's a year. So in Europe um, and Britain, two separate places, you need to understand that. <laughs> but, um, basically we use this phrase gap year. So a lot of young people will take a year out okay, and they will travel the world or they will go and do something that's more, Something you know, go and work for the environment or something. As a representative of Pace, yeah. So, okay. so we offer this. Um, yeah, exactly. So we put them in teams. We call them apprentices. Okay. Put them in a team, and they become skills and youth workers. Now they can do it in other areas. Now they can do it in business, and they can also do it in college and church ministry. But predominantly, they come uh, and we train them in youth ministry. So we have several hundred on it around the world, um, in six different continents. So it's free. Their training is free. Their, their accommodation is free. They just need to provide their own, raise their own pocket money. And then we will give them a gap year. So we'll give them a year's experience, 11 months experience. And we'll train them in mission, discipleship and Bible study. And they'll work as part of a team. They'll, go in, they'll work in a church, but they'll reach into schools and they'll act as a relational bridge. Uh, how, are you, how are you doing this? I mean, the, do you have people everywhere on the world that are, are hosts? Or yes, exactly. Really? Yes, but again, you go back to Luke 10, and Jesus sends out the disciples and says, stay with people, and that's what we do. So um, a church will say we would like a team, and a church will give some money towards pays, and we use that money to run the team. We don't really make much of a profit of it. Um, and then they will stay with, with families in, in the church, sometimes for three months, sometimes for the entire 11 months. Right. And they'll work for the church. They'll be involved in youth ministry, support the youth pastor. They'll be there on Sundays. They'll be part of the life of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but midweek, Monday to Friday, they'll be in the schools or preparing for schools or youth work. Yeah, as a team. That's amazing. It's working really well. How many? How many people? Do you have a number right now of how many no, people don't, are out I, there? It keeps changing because we have an August and a January intake. Um, but it's in the, it's several hundreds, that's all I know, and it changes constantly. Right. And we're in 13 nations. I think we're about to start our 14th nation. will be South Africa, which will be next August. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> <Thank> wow. <you. laughs> 
Yeah, um, so. Another thing. Oh, go, yeah. Something chambered. Go for it. <laughs> go ahead. No, I was going to shift a little bit. Oh. If you have something along those lines, go for it. I was just going to ask. I mean, you started in 92? 92, 92, yeah. So I started on my own in 88 and then began. The, my next problem, if you like, was how do we link all these young people who are interested in God into a church? Because I, I believe the local church is still the best place to disciple them. And we realized, hey, it's going to be relationship sets. We need a lot more of me, as one pastor said. Um, so we started pays in September 1992. Was it, were you, did you have another job? Um, no, I'd, I I was trained, so I left school, did retail management, went to be a missionary, next up Papua New Guinea or Africa, came mm. back um, to Manchester and volunteered for my church because it was, I had this weird thing where I knew I wasn't supposed to get a job. Um, but at the same time, I got quite a strong work ethic. So I wanted to work for the church. And then it just, these doors opened up in schools. And then it just it just carried on from there. So we're called the Pays Movement. Originally, we are called Pays Project. Because mm-hmm. I thought it was going to last a year or two. And that was 25 years ago. And I thought, my vision was for a team. I sent out this newsletter once to all the pastors in Manchester saying, I know this sounds ridiculous, but just imagine there could be five of us, five of us in North <laughs> Manchester, which of course is a joke now. It's nothing. So, yeah. uh, I just, because there's people that they want to, they want to do what you're doing. Yes. I have, I have friends that attempted uh, in somewhat to do what you're doing and it just, I have a, as as I listen to you, I'm thinking mm, they made the error of of pushing it on to people as opposed to building relationships it's all first. About relationship, yeah. And I mean, I mean, once you realize someone cares about you, you'll yes, you'll do anything for yeah. them. It's, it's interesting you say that because I think there's a general. I think that we say schools work doesn't work in America because we have this idea of what schools work looks like, which is basically. Sorry if I'm going off on one. No, no, no. No, do it. Basically, I think what we do is we think we know what the school needs. So we're going to go and find some rich businessmen to sponsor it. And it's going to be some kind of team or curriculum. We put a nice pretty bow on it. We offer it to school. The school says that's not really what we need. And then depending on our denomination, we either bind the devil or go into politics. (laughs) And... um, (laughs) And in reality, what we do on Pays is we say it's not about a program, it's about the people. So we train our guys to respond to what school needs. So we don't say to them, here's a curriculum, see if a school wants it. We, we train them as a team and you go to school, so a teacher like yourself, say, hey, what's the need in school right now? Is there anything we could teach or help you with? Kind of just, just kind of come in as you know, a load of young people, um, you know, 21, 18, 20, they're going to reinforce what you're saying, but on a common common values. And the school says, well, we've got an issue with, I don't know, peer pressure or kids have no hope. Great, we'll do a lesson on hope for you. Are there any stats, any facts you want us to teach? Yeah, here's some. Great, we'll do that. Our teams are trained to then, within a day, figure out a lesson. There are, it'd be really creative, really fun. Go back into the school, say what the school is saying, but add in their own passion, because it's passion that transfers kids will ask some questions they'll respond give them a little bit more about their own faith and as we say in england bob your uncle <laughs> bob's your uncle and that's what happens yeah hey where does that come from bob's your uncle i have no idea <laughs> probably 
probably not Jesus. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's, Google that, it. That's funny you asked that question. It's like in England, we don't know where it came from. In America, we're like, well, it came from England. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything came from England in America. Go back. Kids, see that flag? See those colors? Yep. There you go. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask about was... Um, I don't remember exactly what you said on Sunday, but it was re- regarding kids and how we can kind of like fence the kids in and protect oh, yes. kids. Yeah. Um, and with, I have an eight and 10 year old. And so kind of navigating that space right now mm-hmm. where as they grow up, you know, how do we, how do we navigate that period and, and prepare them for mm. all the, um, diversity of thought and ideas and stuff like that that, that they're going to hear. And I'm not, so, I'm not so much worried about that, but it's more like retroactively from, for me, the way I grew up, it was like, this is what the Bible means mm. uh, on passage X, Y, and Z. And this is how you interpret it. And mm. if you're outside of that, then you're in danger of, mm. you know, the slippery slope and all that okay. stuff. But so what do we do with kids? Like, I'm trying to frame this question well. Um, preparing adults, preparing their kids for the future. Like, how do we prepare versus protect? And um, I don't know. Do you kind? Of, do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, I'm yeah. not phrasing yeah. this well. So, so go I'll, ahead and jump in and re- save me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll repeat basically what I said on yeah. Sunday, if that's okay. That's which fine, is yeah. which is what we got to do is we got to stop protecting our kids and help help them improve their faith yeah. rather than protect their faith. So I discovered this or kind of got this revelation, whatever this thought came into my mind on the plane when we emigrated to America. And um, I think it's 83% of young people who go to church as high school students will stop going to church in America, this is, by the end of the first year of college. I believe it's because we've protected their faith too much. So I was reading the story of David, who facing Goliath discards Saul's armor. In the Sunday school version, it's because it's too big. But if in if you study the scripture, it's because he says, I've not proven it. I don't mm-hmm. know if it works. And he goes to something he does know that works. He's killed the bear and the lion with. Mm-hmm. I believe, my personal belief is that as we're growing our young people, we're, they're going to college, they're facing questions they've, they've been protected from, they're facing temptations they've been protected from and nobody's held their hand and showed them how to navigate through that. They've just been educated. So they get to college, they've got a load of cliches that don't work in the real world and um, they discard the religion. doesn't mean they give up on the faith or the faith of Jesus, but they, they get rid of this kind of religious armor they've been given. Mm. And the problem is they've got nothing that they've mm. proven works. And I think we've got to find ways of helping our young people prove their faith. So as they're growing up, take them on experiences where they see God show up. So I didn't. I, I had phenomenal parents, but they weren't professing Christians. So I, I so I had to kind of figure this out as as I went on. And mm-hmm. my wife's the same. But my wife and I, we did have Christian parents, really good parents. Well, well I did, and she had a great mum. Um, but we, we had to kind of figure this out. And what we realized was when you look at Jesus, he took these young kids, I think I said on Sunday, So I don't believe this, but some Messianic scholars will say there's a possibility that the youngest disciple was eight years old. I don't believe that. I think <laughs> they were between 14 and 20 probably. 
Um, but he, he took them to some crazy places, Caesarea Philippi. That place was, I mean, I don't want to say this on Sunday, but you had, they were, these were people who had sex with animals. He, mm-hmm. he, you know, Pat, they're worshipping the goat god Pan. He takes them there to literally a place that's literally called the Gates of Hades and basically says, I'm going to build my church with these kind of people. And he takes them on experiences. And they, you know, by the time he's dead, resurrected and, and gone, um, they've got stories. and They know God's real. They, they've seen God in action. So when they're facing situations that nobody's educated them in, they have principles and they know God exists. Um, so I backslid, um, not because I lost my faith, because I just wanted to do stuff I shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, praise God, my, both my sons are following Jesus now. They're 23 and 21. But they've got stories, you know. Now, funny enough, my eldest son who works with me on Pays says, said to me the other week, I don't know many Bible verses and I don't know, you know, I wouldn't win a Bible quiz. But he's got stories. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I, I don't think he would ever re- deny the existence of mm-hmm. God. He's seen God work. He's, he's, his faith has been proven, I think. So. And how many of the disciples could have won a Bible quiz? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. That was a diverse group of people, too. Oh, my goodness, oh, yeah. 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 It was. Yeah. yeah. When I really, like, crystallize that and think about that, uh, how Jesus rolled, it was... It's really interesting where Jesus went to get his disciples as well. And most Christians don't this, but he went to something called the Orthodox Triangle. So um, he didn't go to, to Bethshan, which was nearby. He didn't go to Nazareth. There was around about 200 people living in Nazareth at the time of Jesus, probably about eight to 10 extended families. Don't get any of your disciples from there. Don't go to Bethshan or a place called Zipporah or Zephyrus, Zephyrus, which was the biggest city nearby. It's where Jesus' mother probably came from. And that's a bustling city. There's libraries between these two cities, Beshan and Zipporah's libraries. There's athletes, there's politicians in Zipporah. It's an administrative centre. Don't go there at all. He heads north, goes to the north shore of um, Galilee. The Orthodox Triangle is between uh, Bethsaida, Capernaum and Chorazin. He gets all his disciples from there. And we think that's because this is where the people who were seeking out the kingdom of God were so I, sometimes in winter I go to um, Steamboat Spring, uh, Steamboat mm-hmm. Springs, yeah. Yes. Um, and it's where, like, if you want to be an, a Winter Olympic athlete, where you go there for the best coaches. If you wanted to advance the kingdom of God, and you wanted to, that's where you went. The Orthodox Triangle. So he just goes there, and he goes for the radicals. That's what he's going for. He's going for the hard men. You know, he chooses five. I think it's five of the fisher, five of the disciples were fishermen. I think it was. So you think about that's like. It's like Jesus coming to California and choosing five oil riggers or firemen. He's got something in mind that he's looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think he's looking for tough guys that are gonna are gonna do the tough things that he knows that is ahead of them. And the people who are seeking the kingdom of God, they're not happy with the the way things are. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking for subversives. Yeah. That's so good. I would have said sixth grade school teachers instead of firemen, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. It was just too obvious. <laughs> Men in uniform. Wait, so what? Where were you? Where were you going, Zach? Earlier? Oh no, I no direction. Just things that crossed the mind. I mean, oh, okay. I think I don't know. I thought you were going to shift gears. No, no, I didn't shift enough for you. 
I love this. I love the stories about, um, I love digging into the actual context as best as possible mm. to what was going on. Because yes. I think, especially in America, and I was actually going to ask you about America versus England oh, Christianity. <laughs> well, I was going to have you choose sides and say which is superior. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, in America, I think Christians are very generally spoiled because we've had it so good for so long. And when you really think about how the early church grew and what they were dealing with, it just, it just pales, pales Mm. in comparison. So hearing that context is awesome. Mm. I kind of feel like I'm back from the future. It's what I felt when I got here because I got here 12 years ago. Yeah. And there were discussions. I'm thinking, hang on, I remember this from years ago. So, you know, mm. the things we were talking about in the church right. when I got to Texas, I'm thinking, well, we, we've had these conversations, we, we've been through all this, and it was, it was kind yeah. of weird, you know. So. But I think what, um, what I love about America, and I really love this about California, is, is there's still a sense of adventure. So um, for me in England, as, as kind of a visionary in England, you're trying to, I feel, and my friends in England will kill me for this, but I think you... People are pretty cynical. If you say, hey, we could do this, there's a sense of suspicion. Well, who are you to think you can make a difference? Who are you to put yourself on a pedestal? Who are you to mm. champion something, you know? Mm-hmm. it's um, And there's a kind of like um, an, a little bit of a small-minded negativity. That's not true of everybody. It's a huge generalization. Right. So in England, as a visionary, you try to convince people we can do this and God can do this, you know? When I came to America, it was like the opposite. It was like, hey, we could do it. Yeah, we could do it. And it was like, I couldn't believe that. Wow. Wow, yeah, everybody, you know, and I thought this is amazing. But what I found out was, what I realized was that people have not thought through what it's going to cost as much, which kind of mm. pertains a little bit to what you were saying. So, yeah. you know, everybody's on board. I, almost in America, everybody's looking for a hero. We want somebody who's going to champion the cause. We'll get behind you, we'll support you. But I'm not sure everybody's thought through what it's actually going to cost to make this happen. So people don't follow through as much. People get, it seemed to me, people get more excited. It's easy to excite people. But over here, what I found about, what I found I've ended up doing is spend a lot more time trying to explain it's going to cost us. We're going to end up going through this. This is the process. Are mm-hmm. you really ready for this? So almost over here, I'm trying to put people off. Whereas in England, I'm trying to turn them on to it. Does that make yeah. sense? I don't know yeah. if that making sense or not. So. <laughs> Yeah, d- different approaches. Yeah, it's different approaches, yeah. It's funny, when uh, I was in Sweden seeing some friends that used to live here um, a month or two ago, and he said, uh, nobody has an entrepreneurial spirit. It's just, there's it's not, there's nothing there. So he's... Yeah. No, 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 in Sweden. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's... Uh, I mean, he's looking at these properties and he's starting, Mm -hmm. he's got a business and um, that he started here, but he's like out on the, the lake. I mean, it's just a thousand lakes out there and it's just glass Mm -hmm. um, and people, oh, we saw you out there, uh, you know, out on the water. And he's like, well, why don't you come out? And they're like, oh no, just sit at home and. And uh, he's got this place he's, he's looking to buy and have his business move in there. And, um, and like, nobody wants it. It's like, mm. why would nobody want it? Mm. It's like in the middle of the city. It's like, uh, nobody really, everybody's happy with their nine to five or All whatever right. it is. And they just come home and, and they're fine. 
And I'm thinking, I'm telling you, if if you had one of those properties sitting anywhere in America, especially by water, yeah. it's gone. <laughs> and it's going to be gone for a whole lot of money. Yeah. Um, because people have that spirit here. They've been here since the beginning of you know, the country. I know. I, I really love that. Especially I found it most the case in California when I've come here on vacation. There's that kind of entrepreneurial. I love that. Yeah. So. Mm. Just got to be careful. The balance of of business and making it and, you know, family. And mm. I mean, there's a yeah. there's a huge struggle. Uh, there's a huge struggle there. Um, in a, it's probably elsewhere around the world, but in America more so it's just people are striving and striving um and not then to, you lose that connection with the community because right. you don't you don't want to have to rely on other people so you're it's very individualistic you can get, you can get isolated quickly mm-hmm. yeah it's tough and relationships like you said they're huge they're the most important thing and you're trying to hold people, hold on to people. It's like right. you're spinning plates with people. It's like I got to get back to, right. I got to get back to Paul and you know see how he's doing. And that's true. I found that people are very busy, but with lots and lots and lots of different things. Ninety mm-hmm. percent mm-hmm. of it's worthless. Well, one of the things we've been teaching, I've been teaching our guys when it comes to vision is is try not to think of vision as a target but a theme, because a theme is everywhere. So my theme is I make missionaries. So that's true of my family as much as it pays. Yeah. And I think a theme's more authentic than a target in my mind. It's the way my mind works at least. So It'll allow yeah. you to move and change and adapt more than, yeah. oh no, we're we're off. We're going to miss that mark that we right. set. And if right. we, then all hell's going to break loose. Right. It stops you as well. I think it stops you getting a vision of vision. Some people get very excited, but what they're excited about is the vision mm-hmm. as opposed to a vision of God sometimes, if that makes sense. So I noticed that years ago, so I'm very observational, but I noticed that I would make, meet some youth pastors who Friday night in England, Wednesday night here would be absolutely full on crying, begging kids to come to know the Lord, but their next door neighbor didn't even know they were Christian. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the, about this vision, they're really... They've got a vision of a vision as opposed to just a vision of God. I think if you have a vision of God, it permeates everything you do, I think. Yeah. That's, uh... You just made me feel really guilty. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's that neighbor that I haven't talked to. You know, you're, yeah, <laughs> Jeff, right. you're pretty I'm good. Joking. I'm joking. <laughs> so, Je- Jeff will be running on the beach and then see a homeless guy and like, oh, this is the guy I'm talking to today. Wow, and that's then, cool. Well, at least you've done that before. How has that been going? <laughs> It goes. Yeah. Just stop wherever. Yeah. Stop wherever the spirit stops you. All right. That's not going to support your arm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you do have you do have these books that you've written. How many yes. books have you written? <laughs> I laugh. There's at least three of them on the table. Yeah. Well, look, I've written. I'm working on six. So I've written five. Okay. Um, but I've rewritten three of them, <laughs> so I feel like I've written eight. But five. Yeah, five books. Yeah. It's all right. We just talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago. He's like, I wrote 310 pages and then I threw it away. Like, yeah. Mm, that's yeah. that's the life of an author telling a story. Oh my goodness, that's true. Yeah. It takes a while. So what was your what was the or what are your most recent books? So I have two trilogies. The fi- the not okay. fictional, but I have two trilogies. One's 
Um, the one I'm writing now is part of the third part of what I call the ancient trilogy. So these are three books about how Jesus did it, uh, mission, discipleship and study. So with mission, I asked the question, why is it we spend so much of our time, um, effort and money inviting people when Jesus spent so much of his getting himself invited? Um, yeah. And you get, mm. He was getting himself invited all the time. Yeah. It's not that you don't invite people, but getting yourself invited is a lot more powerful. When you're on their turf and they've invited you, that's what we do in schools. And then you tell the gospel. That is mm. so much more powerful than when you tell it in a, in a church. So looking at that, spread spots, they send. And then with discipleship, we've already talked about kind of flipping the experience before mm-hmm. education. And then Bible study, which is a whole thing of, I think we've got Bible study completely back to front the way we do it. So I've been, I leave books. One's called, Shalom, the one right now is called Shalom, which is about spread spots, stay send mission. Um, how do we bring mission in a way that's peaceful as opposed to polarizing so I'm looking on social media right now and it just seems like people are throwing bricks at everybody else at the moment. Yeah. You know, where's the conversation? And it's weird. Everybody's right. <laughs> it's amazing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Incredible. hundred percent. So just think about how did Jesus do mission? How did he get himself invited? I think the church has lost the art of getting itself invited. We don't get invited to the party anymore. So how do we rediscover that? Mm. Um, and then with, with discipleship, how do we rediscover what is discipleship and then bible i won't go into that now because it's a bit complicated but the bible story one uh, sorry bible study you talk about context Mm -hmm. um how do we teach people how to think not just what to think Mm -hmm. so how do we help them pull from the bible as opposed to just push the bible onto them Mm -hmm. so that's 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 one trilogy and then the other trilogy is all about um if you're somebody who wants to advance the kingdom of god where does vision come from? That's one book called um, Kingdom Pioneering. How do we pioneer? Kingdom Principles is a book about um, how do we develop the character of the kingdom? And in Kingdom Patterns is how do we find direction? So it's a bit of a weird book, because like, it's got diagrams in it, which is odd. So it's recognising the journey we're on and how God leads us. So I think we ask the wrong questions. when We ask questions like, what am I supposed to do? and Where am I supposed to go? And I talk about how do you really discover God's will. So, so. wow, sounds easy. Yeah, yeah I wish. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, awesome. Greatest greatest challenges over the last twenty five years. Good question. Um, Christians, <laughs> to be honest with you, um, I think that's good. We partner with churches. Um, so, pays is is odd in it's all about partnership. Partner with schools on joint objectives. Partner with churches on joint objectives. Um, our biggest challenge has been when we partner with churches that want to control what we do and what what's done. So I think it was Rick Warren who said, God can do anything through a man who doesn't care who gets the credit. Right. And I think um, we try and do things with blurred edges. So is it the church? Is it pays? No, it's all one thing. It's the mm-hmm. work of the kingdom. And I think that's been the biggest challenge has been, been, been finding people with that mindset. Is it mo- is that mostly from churches that are hyper concerned about specific doctrines or where where you stand on certain issues? Sometimes, and I think you know, in England, denominationalism's kind of dying. But the new thing is net networks or brands brands of churches. So I think sometimes it's been denominationalism as in doctrines, but now I think it's it's more brands. People want it has to be their logo. 
has to be their brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's been a bit, a little bit difficult. Interesting. <laughs> so generally then, this is where I'm going to get you in trouble. Probably not. Um, generally, what, obviously this, I'm asking you to speak very broadly, um, which isn't entirely fair, but what, what are, how are American churches hung up? What are some things that we're hung up on and we see as super important that you just would like to say, Hey, bet that's not that it's not as important as you think it is. Oh, I don't know. It's, it's a good question. But I'm not sure I'm, I'm the guy to answer that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's we're hung up on stuff. I think we're just maybe. I'm saying we because I'm an American. I man. was just gonna say you're saying I'm officially. Are you a citizen? A citizen? Yeah, I'm a are you citizen. dual citizen? Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. That's the whole story. I got kicked out of America for months. But that's a whole different story. Yeah. Um, I think we're just narrow-minded. I think there's a lot. It's a lot broader. Um, I'm not talking about necessarily theology necessarily, but certainly our methodology. Mm-hmm. And I think um, if we could. If we could get a little bit, this is such a cliche, but if we could get a little bit closer to what Jesus actually did. So I, I feel like we're closing. So let me end with this. Or maybe we're not, I don't know. But I really like the concept of the, remember the What Would Jesus Do band? I was just thinking about that today. Well, yes. yes. So I really love the concept, but not the question. Right. Because if you said to me, what would Jesus do? My first question would be, which Jesus? Your Jesus, your Jesus, or my yeah. Jesus? Because my Jesus reflects my thoughts. Um, and I think a slightly, not a perfect que- answer question, but a slightly better question would be, what did Jesus do? Mm-hmm. And I think we could get back to that a little bit more, certainly with mission, discipleship and study. I think we'd find we've got a few things back to front. Mm-hmm. And um, But I'm not saying that's just the American church. I think that's the church. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I could find a difference in, in the way you phrase the question between the two types, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is, the more you dig into the life of Jesus, it feels like everything is just upside down Yeah, from what you want to do or what I want to do yeah. or how the church generally in America does yeah. things. It's, it, it's like we're, we are experts in missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> and that's context again. I think um, yeah. without, you know, when we don't know Jesus' context, we, we miss his point. The more we can understand this context, the better it is. Yeah. So we got churches, we got schools in. I can't get my mind around this, and I'm heading it up. We, <laughs> we've got we've got schools in in Islamabad. I mean, think about the name Islamabad, complaining to us that we're not approached their school yet. Because when we do it the Jesus way, it works. It just works. Now it may all hell may break loose when we do it. Yeah. But we are getting invited. Mm. Um. So it's just. It's stripping away and thinking, okay, just if I, if I if I didn't listen to what everybody else is doing mm-hmm. and I just looked at what Jesus did, what would it actually look like? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I don't think I'm doing that perfectly, but I think it's no. It's you one did. Of you said that. You said that multiple times. You're you're the example everybody <laughs> should follow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everybody needs to talk like me. That's pretty. That's pretty. I don't know if the right word is profound, but you know to have an area school from that neck of the woods, you know, saying, Hey, yeah, why don't you come to us? Yeah. That's saying something. Mm. It goes back to you saying, get invited. It's all about getting invited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a practical, so for the average 
so I'm on this cul-de-sac with these houses. What would getting invited, what would first steps to getting invited as opposed to doing the inviting I'm look like? I'm literally writing the book on this right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's I'm fresh and easy. Well, it's more, it's more, it helps me. I, I'm, I, I learn by speaking it out. It yeah. helps me pro. So I think I'm, I'm talking about, about spreading, but again, I keep going about experience, but what experience of the kingdom of God can we offer people where they are as opposed to bringing it to where we are? So I think that's the first step is, so for instance, right now, we just moved into a community in Texas and um, it's, a, it's an odd community. That it's a bit of an experiment, the way they've set it up. But there's, so there's a lake and there's a beach. So we're thinking, what different things could we do where people experience God without having to come into church first, but they still know it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. So healing on the beach, we're going to probably put some flags up on the beach that just simply say healing. And we'll just use nextdoor.com, which is big where we are, which is like a social media for a community. And mm-hmm. just say, if you want any kind of healing or prayer, sit on a chair. They do this in Northern Ireland. Sit on a chair and we'll pray for you. You don't have to be Christians. We're not promoting our particular church. We believe one way or another they're experienced God. Even if they don't get healed, they'll probably experience something of God. Mm. Um, and that's for us. When people experience God, they want they want to invite you into the home. They want to find out more about what is it as I just experienced. Mm. Which is kind of why I came to the Lord. You know, I was listening to a guy. I could feel something, and I wanted to find out what what more of, of this. What what more is there? Mm. So it's giving people some kind of experience, I think. So so like we got a few little packs. So one my I saw this in somebody's house, and I thought this would be good. Is if we set set up prayer posts. So some kind of post in the pack. We can see if we can get permission, where people anonymously, even if they say they hate God, without nobody knowing, in the middle of the night, can pop a prayer request, knowing that people are going to pray for them. Interesting. Mm. How can we how can we help people experience God? How can we take what's inside the church? so people can experience it outside of the church. Because if they do experience God, then they'll invite us. And if we can build on joint objectives. So I'm still thinking this through, so it may not sound as clear-cut, but that's basically what I'm thinking through right now. Awesome. It's like you took the roots of when you were a kid and it just moved through and just came out yeah. this way, but just in the adult world. And But, I mean, it doesn't need to be adult. It's just this vision of how do you connect and how do you create a crossroads mm. for people to, to meet Jesus? Word. Yeah. And you've done it. Well, we're doing it. We're working on yeah. it. Yeah. But I mean, it's one step at a time. It's it's, and there is no end point. There is no starting point. It's just to do it. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a sweet, sweet thing to be in those places. Yeah. It is exciting. It sounds, yeah. I, I'm, like ready to leave now. Six constants. I'm ready for my gap year. Right <laughs> what would be a good word in America to use? Because like internship. Yeah, internship. Yeah. I think gap year is used. I mean, gap. If it, it when I saw it, I thought void. Like we're gonna like, you know, we'll fill the void for you um, okay. for this year. That's kind of like gap year. Okay. Yeah, right, huh? yeah. Interns, we we use that. We change it because interns right. generally it's they're untrained and they just do anything. Whereas when our guys are coming, they're coming with the purpose and training. But otherwise, it's exactly you're right. It's an internship, basically. It's yeah. 
That's but, tough when you're worldwide and you're trying to figure out one it word. It is, mate, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's pretty much next to impossible. It is, yeah, it is, yeah. So can I do a quick advert? Yeah. Can I ask people to go to the website? It's um, www.paysmovements.com. And then, yeah, we do um, free gap year internships, whatever you want to call them, free training, free accommodation, 18 and over. We're looking for people to help us start new nations as well. So I think it's, I mean, having seen the website, it's, it's really simple. It's just a clean look and it's engaging. And I'm not joking. <laughs> Zach, you're looking at me like, come on now. I, I'm like, man, if I didn't have my... Well, maybe I'll just take my whole family. We'll go, we'll go do this. But it's <laughs> well, we need someone to help us um, pioneer pays in Canada. So I'm not going to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so one step too far. I go to not Africa. Canada. I go to Islamabad, but no, not no. not Canada. No, I can't. I mean, I can't. I can't think that it's not possible. Even I just think of the people that are. I, at our church that are in their, you know, 20 something early twenties. I mean, there's people there that are, they're on fire and they Mm. want to be involved and they, you know, they, they may or may not have been at church on, on Sunday when you were there. But, Mm. um, I guess that's one thing that we need to continue doing is, is kind of have a consistent propping up of like what we've been doing and what we, Mm are doing and what we will be doing Um, because people like you come through, you know, once a year and, you know, and then you're gone Mm. and the message is gone. So it's got to be somehow, Hey, we're carrying it on. Now it's going to be out there forever. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, those books, I don't know if you left any of the, Books. They all sold out, actually. All the, Are you serious? Yeah, they all sold out. So, in fact, I sold some I wasn't supposed to sell. I, nice. supposed to, I was supposed to, I've already, I sold some I actually found out I'd already sold. So, um, but yeah, but the book um, was Talmudim. So, yeah. how to disciple anyone and anything. Yes. And then the, the Bible study version of that is called Havarim, how to study anything with anyone. So, if anybody's interested, but you can get them on Amazon or Kindle. So, and those words aren't words you're just making up, right? Those no, mean yeah, Talmud. Ta- ta- yeah, that'd be good though, <laughs> wouldn't it? If it came up with words. Talmudim is the uh, Hebrew word for disciples, and Havarim is the word Hebrew word for friends who study together. So again, Jesus studied the Bible very differently from the way we do it nowadays. Mm-hmm. I won't go into that now, but yeah. oh, that's a can of worms I really want to go into <laughs> right now. <laughs> so. That's all right. Well, yeah, you've been awesome with your time and. And your wife is floating around waiting to grab you. So, but real quick, uh, better beer over there or over here? Well, oh, my, I don't know. I like the beer here, but my favorite beer is still a Manchester beer. It's called Boddington's. Oh yeah, yeah we get that here. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the, the pub ale. Or yeah. Pub, not, well, the real tagline for that was the cream of Manchester. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. Look, that on makes the, sense. Yeah, you should look on the old. Um, they used to have some really cool adverts for it. Yeah. If you Google the old adverts, Boddington's beer. That's awesome. Yeah, Manchester. it's got that that nitrous charge in it. When you over here at least, when you open that can, yeah. it's just so creamy. Yeah, it's so creamy, good. Yeah. 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 Have you had Boddington's? I have. It's not hoppy. No, but it's not hoppy. It's great. It's good beer. Yeah, California. Everybody, it's a little hop obsessed. And I'm I guilty like of it too. Well. I like I'm it. guilty of it, but. 
And wheat beer. I like wheat beer as well. Mm. But Boddington's remains the, my favorite. So. Awesome. Well, yeah. Paul, thank you so much for your no, time. No, no, it was really nice to speak to you guys. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Enjoyed it. Excellent. Yeah. Braving a stranger's <laughs> house, strange area. <laughs> On vacation, no less. Uh, no Disneyland for you? Nope. No yeah. Disneyland, no. Done some good snorkeling and been in the waves, though. It's a bit flat right now, though. Yeah. How long you surf? You? Yeah. Well, bodyboard now with the fins and stuff. How long Too are you here? Too long to surf. Nice. Pardon? How long are you here? Um, we've been here about a week and a half, I think, and then go back. and then. So basically what's happened was I had a few speaking engagements, mm. but my dad was coming from England, so I thought I'd take him on a bit of a road trip. So the three of us, my wife and my dad. So Nice. He wants to go to Vegas. Yeah, I don't awesome. know why. He's not really a Vegas kind of guy, but he wants to go to Vegas. So we're going to go to Vegas That's on the way back. That's kind of where Jesus uh, said he was building his kingdom. <laughs> there you go. That's right, yeah. <laughs> oh, we oh, talked about that on Sunday, didn't we? Yeah, you mentioned that. <laughs> I was listening. Yeah, there you go. We joked earlier about me checking my mm. fantasy football scores during service, but I was listening. Now, when you said football... I mean the real kind, American football. Uh, <laughs> Is that offensive to you when I say that? No longer. <laughs> yeah. You we're winning you over or corrupting you, depending on the perspective. I was just tuned out. Yeah. <laughs> did you grow up a footy player at all? Yeah. Well, everybody does in England. Okay. We call it um, jumpers for goalposts. Text your wife, too. Jumpers that for goalposts. Feel free to... I don't know. We're kind of wrapping up. I don't want to keep yeah, you I from... Think it was, but, yeah, well, we're, you were talking. We're you were talking about... Um, you know, getting getting like the hard men, um, you know, to do that, do the work. And uh, I think it was when I was I played college soccer many many moons ago, and we watched the uh, video before some of the games called the Twelve Hard Men of Soccer. Oh yeah, and Vinny Jones was uh, one of the players, and Vinny this Jones. was just like three or four years ago. And I'm, and this is down in Mexico. I'm on vacation, and I'm. I'm sitting, it's late afternoon, everybody's pretty much gone except these two guys and they're got really thick accents and I'm and I turn and I'm literally sitting right next to Vinnie Jones. And, oh seriously. Yeah. Cool. And uh just we start chatting for thirty seconds and then my uh and he, um not so um sober friend comes by and goes, Oh, who are you yeah. talking to? And then he left. I'm like, Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was that was my moment. But yeah. now he's in I loved uh, I loved watching those uh, the soccer videos, well, football videos of him just literally one second in the game and just cleats up kneecap or something like that. He has like he had one of the records for the fastest red card. <laughs> oh my goodness! Anyway, yeah, what a stupid question. Do you play soccer, football? <laughs> that is. Well, do you play soccer? Is the stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was good. Appreciate it.